My name's Caroline Whitehead and I am so excited. I have with me all the way from Atlanta, um, well, Georgia, I should say, in the United States is Alison Giddens. Um, Alison is the co-president of Wintech, and Wintech is an aerospace precision mach machine shop. We'll hear more about that later. She is um, an undergraduate uh, degree of psychology and, crimi and criminal justice. She's not got one, but two master's degree, one in conflict management and uh, the other one in manufacturing. Uh, and she's also as well, she's um, involved in lots of different things within the community and the wider sphere of women in STEM, which is why I've got her on here, because we need to champion women in STEM, which Alison does. Welcome. Alison, how are you? Hey, good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about young Alison. Um, I grew up thinking I was going to be president of the United States. Um, and I, you know, I guess it is. It really is. So it's not too late. I've got probably another 40, 50, 60 years chance to do that. Um, and then I decided I didn't want to be president. I wanted to be a veterinarian. <laughs> so I think all young kids at one point or another want to do something with animals. Um, and so I thought I wanted to do that. And by the time I got into college and I realized what type of chemistry was required to be a veterinarian, I said, you know, maybe this is not for me. From them. Um people around you? Who would you say influenced you, encouraged you? I'm really fortunate. My mom is incredible. She always taught my sister and I growing up that you get an education because that is the only thing nobody can take from you. I think she she was really um, instrumental in making sure that um, I got an education to begin with. Uh, but my dad was also really encouraging. There was nothing I liked more than dad's praise than then to know that that dad said, you know, that he was proud of me. Or um, again, I'm, I'm super lucky that I had two parents in my life to say that to me. Um, there were a lot of adults going growing up that I looked up to in different different ways. I had a dentist who was my neighbor at the time and um, was the founder of the company that I now own. Um, I looked up to him because I thought, wow, you know, he started with ten dollars in his pocket. And, and now he has a multi-million dollar small business. And so that was something really cool too. So there, there were a lot of um, really unique holes that, that different people I knew filled. Well, yeah, so the transition from criminology to manufacturing, how did that happen? So I, it was all kind of accidental. So criminology and psychology, I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna go into um, law somehow. Like maybe I'll eventually be a lawyer. And then I thought, no, maybe I kind of want to do like negotiations, almost like criminal negotiations. And then that turned into, well, I don't really know what I want to do. And I was up for a promotion at a sales and marketing uh, media conglomerate that I worked for that I learned a ton. And I, I love the people that I got to know, but it just wasn't for me. Corporate environment, just it wasn't it wasn't my my uh, cup of tea, so to speak. And so I um, I reached out to my neighbor who I had pet sat for before, Dennis and said, I wanna come work for you because you work for, you run a small business and I wanna be a big fish in a small pond. And he said, you don't even know what I do. I said, I don't really care. I just, I need to get out of corporate environment. So he hired me um, on to basically do menial filing and tax, just kind of just random office stuff um, and taught me a little bit at a time. And all of a sudden I realized, you know, I like this manufacturing stuff. It's all about problem solving and it's all about 
Um, there is psychology involved. I mean, you're constantly dealing with people. You're constantly conflict management. You've got you've got people with different goals, and um, ultimately, you've got to figure out how to get them all on the same page. It could have gone terribly wrong. It could have, you know, put you off for life, which yeah. a lot of young girls and women have that experience whereby they go into that situation and they're qualified. You admit you're, you're, um, you know, that phrase, the conscious incompetent. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so you knew that you were conscious incompetent perfect. and yes. you were building your skills, but uh, a lot of women have gone into that situation knowing that they're qualified. What you did, you basically thought, right, okay, I have to be qualified. Hence you doing uh, was it a master's or a certificate in manufacturing? It was. It was a master's. So I went into um, with a Georgia Tech in uh, Georgia uh, Tech downtown Atlanta, and there was a co cohort of I, I want to say it was thirteen of us, and I was the only non-engineer uh, getting a master's at Georgia Tech in this particular uh, manufacturing program, and it was kind of a joke because they started making me an honorary engineer, and I kept joking. I'm like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. That's a demotion. Um, but it was it was it was a lot of fun. It was a, such a good group, and I keep in touch with a lot of those students from that cohort. But ultimately, it was it was really cool for me to see the other side. I think not only did it help me in the, in learning material and learning uh, reinforcing some of the calculus involved to some of those uh, some of those pieces of engineering, um, but also to understand the way engineers think. And I think it helps me do my job better. So Dennis, great Dennis, trailblazer, making sure that he. Um, he worked with a young female individual, getting her involved in STEM, and you took that ball and you ran with it. When Dennis, um, back in October of last year, kind of took steps back and said, okay, here you go, I'm selling the business to the two of you. It was great because we had already kind of finagled our way into these these different things we were very good at and to run run the same business. One of his whole, one of his his things he stressed over the past few years when talking about women in manufacturing, he, um, we have a, we have a challenge as, as I know the UK does with getting people excited about manufacturing and to choose it as a career. And his take, he walked in my office one day and he said, you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, we sit here and we're talking about needing to develop the workforce and needing to encourage people to consider a career in the industry. He said, but there's 50% of the people we've never tapped into and that's women. He said, yes. so <laughs> why? Of course, the workforce is there. We just have to let them know we are too. Didn't you tilt and shift some of your manufacturing in response to the, to the pandemic to do with PPEs? We did. No, so no, to do with ventilators. Yes, we made ventilator pieces for a minute. I feel like I feel like in the in the grand scheme of the world's timeline, it was a for in a blink of an eye. We um in March of last year, that was kind of when the U.S. started realizing, uh oh, we got to take this seriously, and at least at least in our part of town, it did. Um, and so we were still going full steam ahead manufacturing. WinTech was we had orders to fill. We were um, committed to national defense contracts, and we were doing doing it. And we had a commercial customer come to us who we had made parts for before. And they said, we've got an order for ventilators and we need them yesterday. So we worked with them to come up with the game plan and immediately start a manufacturer um, on them. And it kind of, it gave our shop floor kind of a sense of purpose. I mean, everyone was stressed out, obviously, from everything going on and so many unknowns, but it was really cool to say, 
everybody, you've got to wear masks. You have to social distance. You have to do this because others depend on you to get this done. It's not about you. It's not whether or not you want to wear a mask. This is whether or not we need you on that machine. And I think that that kind of gave people perspective. Um, and we were able to fill the order and, and get it out. So I'm looking at it. So Cobb Chamber of Commerce, the actual title uh, to do with the Cobb Chamber of Commerce and, and what you were honoured with sounds like executive woman. Sounds like you were just, you were awarded for being a woman, which is great, by the way. But what does it mean? <laughs> That's really funny. I like that. Um, it just, it, it means that... Um, Typically, the award is given to someone who's gone above and beyond in their community. And the Chamber of Commerce in the area has done a lot for um, really my friendships, my business relationships, my colleagues that um, I go to, my go-to folks. And they have been instrumental in helping me get prepared uh, for this WinTech transition. And mm -hmm. I had volunteered so much with these with different organizations within the Chamber of Commerce. And they surprised me with this award. And it was it floored me because... Uh, to see the the other names on that list who'd received the the award before me, it's typically women who are much more established in their careers, and uh, to see my name along with somebody like Shannon Cooper, who was the general manager of Lockheed Martin for several years. I mean, that that's you want to look up the term badass, and her her face is there. Well, I want to move on to um, advanced manufacturing virtual internship. This sounds really really fantastic. I want you to um, explain how the AMVI came, came about, but also as well the fact that you've, you've just this year you've launched the, the fact that you can take it now to the neurodiversity community, which yeah. is super. So um, the AMVI, we, we joke that it's an accidental internship. Um, we created it on accident, but it, it has turned out to be awesome. So we... Um, Back in March of last year, we were going to have to um, cancel the internships of a couple of high school students that had committed to coming to WinTech for the summer. And right before I was about to call the teacher to cancel, and I was totally bummed about doing that, I got a phone call from another teacher who I've got a good, good relationship with, and I couldn't say no to him. And he called and he said, I've got two more students that I need placed because another internship is canceled. They're on site. Um, can I put them with you? So I thought, okay, not only am I about to cancel on two students, but now I'm about to cancel on four. And I said to him, well, I can't have them on site, but I have a virtual component to this internship. And he said, really, what does that look like? I said, I have no idea. I just made that up. So I went home and spent the next three days working on a virtual curriculum of um, an internship, which is basically exposing students to manufacturing and different components of manufacturing. So could be design, could be um, uh, supply chain logistics could be accounting, could be marketing, could be everything. But the coolest part about this was that I reached out to about 12, maybe 13 colleagues, subject matter experts in the field and asked them, will you come on, would you jump on a Zoom with a, a bunch of students and basically talk to them about what it is you do and help them to understand what's all involved in careers in manufacturing. And one of those people I happened to meet when I was over on the STEM the Gap trip with you all overseas, uh, Rom with Equitus Engineering, who's a rock star. I love Rom. And he jumped on. He agreed to be one of the subject matter experts for design engineering. The kids loved him. 
Wow. He ended up actually staying in touch with one of the kids and kind of almost giving a mentor-mentee relationship. But we went from having to almost cancel on two or four kids to then uh, migrating into a, a virtual internship for 12 students. Um, and now we are, I guess, 11 days into our winter version of the internship with a group of neurodiverse students. It's 11 students and they're fantastic. And we're exposing them to manufacturing. But what we're also doing is we're showing these subject matter experts in these fields and in these companies what this community would look like as, mm. as being employed and, and their talents and their skills. And there's just there are a lot of different doors and different windows opening. And ultimately, it's all about kind of seeing how the pieces fit. And that's why you're another level blue devil. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what did you get? What did you get for another level blue devil award? So that was kind of almost a, a, a subsidiary, subsidiary. I don't even know if that's the right word, but it was almost like a, um, a they called it a micro internship. And one of the local high schools heard about the advanced manufacturing virtual internship. And one of the local high schools reached out to me and said, we have this workplace um, mentorship thing for a semester, and we'd like to place a student with you. So it would be virtual. You'd meet with them once a week, twice a week for six weeks. So I said, well, sure. You know, who is it? So they placed me and they said, uh, he, he wants to study architecture. I said, I, I'm not, I don't know anything about art. I, I, you wouldn't want me building a building if your life depended on it. And they said, well, that's okay. It's just, it's really about the business relationship and kind of getting to know a student and talking to them about workplace, you know, relationships and resume building and networking. And so I did what I do best. And that was reach out to everybody else that I knew who knew what they were talking about. And they agreed to jump on more Zooms. And uh, we got, I, I introduced him to an interior designer who specializes in uh, looking at different ways to design um, a concept or a floor plan with ADA, uh, uh, Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, mm -hmm. with that in mind. I had an architecture manufacturer come on on the, on the call, and I had um, a civil engineer jump on the call. So there were, there were all these different connections that I was able to provide to the student that it really opened my eyes to the fact that oh, why don't more people do this? I mean, this was relatively simple for me to make these connections. And yeah. it was it was an hour or two a week. I mean, you know, you can't buy that kind of experience as a high school. Had I had that in high school, I would probably be president by now. You never know who needs your insight and you never know what insight you'll pick up. Who is David Critchie? David Critchie was my late father. He passed away in um, about 10, 11 years ago now. And he um, was a sports nut. And he was the kind of person that when I was growing up and playing softball, he would pay for other kids to play if he knew their families were going through tough financial times. And it wasn't like I grew up rich by any means, no stretch of the imagination, but he made sure that if I had a friend on the team that was having a tough time that he paid for it. Well, I didn't know about any of that until after he died, my mom told me. And my mom and my sister and I were really trying to figure out what do we want to do in his name and his honor. Um, there's, a, there's an old saying, I believe Native American saying, that says a person dies twice. Um, once when they die and they leave this earth. And, and another time when their name is spoken for the last time. And oh. that's really stuck with me. Mm. And I don't know if it's just kind of my way of 
you know, denial or grief or however you want to, whatever psychology, you probably have a field day in my head. But I thought, okay, well, I won't let my dad die a second time. And so we created this organization that they pay for kids to play sports when their families can't afford it. And so we mixed his love for sports with his love to make sure that those in need could be helped. He, he always, he, he brought my sister and I up to know that if you come across somebody that needs help and you can help them, you should help them. No questions. So mm. there um, we've helped over 900 kids to date. Uh, but it's, it's been really rewarding to, to see that kids can play a sport. The kids can get on a field and especially during pandemic, as things begin to open up and as the world gets back to normal, um, people, sports is going to be last on the list for financial. You know, you got parents who have lost jobs and uh, hours cut back and, you know, you need food on the table and a roof over your head and clothes on your body, uh, paying, you know, what, what might be a couple hundred dollars to go stand on a softball field or a baseball field as an eight year old. That's not going to be priority. And that's hopefully where the organization can come in and help those kids. There were plenty of things that people came forward and said, you know, when I needed him, he did this. Or um, we had one year at softball when I was, I must have been nine years old. And he bought us, he bought all the kids windbreakers with our nicknames on them. And we thought we were the coolest, I mean, coolest kid. And it wasn't until years later that I found out that two of those kids, that kind of became their jacket for years later, their winter coat for years later. Wow. And it's like, she's Louise. I mean, had dad known that he probably would have upgraded their, their coats, but yeah. you know, it, it just kind of, it gives you some insight as to again, how grateful I am. I mean, I'm, I am really, really lucky. And to, to not only have two parents that supported me along the way, but supported the community too. When I read the next thing I'm going to say, when I read this, I started giggling so much. <laughs> Because I thought, yeah, I could see her just, just, you're crazy. I know. Why would you start doing some stand-up comedy? Why? Because, well, it was kind of on a dare. So I remember uh, sitting on the couch. It was New Year's Eve. And I posted on Facebook, this was years ago. I posted on Facebook. I said, hey, I want to do something different in the new year. And I will do whatever the majority of my friends tell me I should do. And everybody chimed in and said, you need to do stand-up comedy. You need to do stand-up comedy. I thought, okay, well, I guess that's what I'm doing. So I contacted, I, I did some Google search, found out that there was a, a local person, Jeff Justice, who was a former comedian turned educator. And he talks about like the linguistics of comedy and how to make things funniest and, and all kinds of fun things. So um, talked to him, joined his class. And then his class basically graduates by doing stand-up comedy at the Atlanta Punchline. So you're in a green room where Robin Williams has written his name on the wall, um, Chris Rock. I mean, all kind. You just you're awestruck, and you're you will never feel quite like you feel right before you get on stage to tell jokes. You feel like you're going to puke all over the place, um, but as soon as you get on that stage, it all goes away, and it was such an adrenaline rush. It was so fun because the studio's in Manchester. I'm going to draw the links because I because you've been to Manchester you know that's where you came you go to the lovely Midland Hotel and the Hilton Hotel and um and I was honored by getting the getting the keys like I lived at the Pankhurst Center like I was Emmeline Pankhurst great 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 granddaughter or something so I was honored enough to invite you into my 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 pretend home of the Pankhurst Center 
and I got you and the and the delegates, uh, the delegation, um, to have a private viewing of the museum, which was fantastic. Yeah. Because you are immortalised on the Pankhurst Trust and Women's Manchester Women's Aid website. You are on that website. Oh. International visitors that have come over to the heartbeat of feminism and the heartbeat so cool. of um you know women getting the vote and you learn so much on that day so that i want to say that you are you are formerly a you you are a daughter of manchester awesome uh, manchester holds a special place in my heart i i really really liked manchester so alison creechy giddens thank you so much for being on our your manchester extra the extra means far and wide but we're all one we're all together do keep doing what you're doing and we will see each other again absolutely. fingers crossed next year yeah we will we will absolutely okay thank you thank you so much